0: Digital Drift, episode 7, recorded Saturday the 8th of March, 2014, The Video Game Crashes. Deep discussion and entertaining analysis of movies, games, and media culture. Welcome to the Digital Drift. I was just going to call it Crash, but then I thought people might think we were reviewing the uh, film about racism in LA, uh, (laughs) or the David Cronenberg film. So that, that yeah. would be misleading in both ways. Welcome back to Digital Drift. With us we have Chris O'Regan of the Sausage Factory podcast. Hello. And Gary Blower of GameBurst. Hello. On the forum recently, I started asking about video game crashes, knowing there had been at least one before, and looking at the signs as to whether we might be approaching another. Some are optimistic or sceptical, depending on your point of view, predicting no crash anytime soon. Gary, however, Ever the Cassandra, was very confident in his statement that not only was a crash certain, but that we've been in the middle of one for some time. So I recruited Gary and the similarly sharp, learned, and sagacious Chris, both of whom were there for the previous crashes, and tonight we're going to pick their brains. What is a gaming market crash? How do we know we're in one right now? When will we be out of it, and is there hope for the future of the medium? Let's start with Chris. Now, can you give us a quick rundown of the video game crash of, I believe it was 1983, and yep. uh, there was a later, smaller one in 1992 to 93 that you mentioned to me on Twitter. How yep. did those come about in the first place?
1: One word: quality and quantity. All, it quality. All of the
0: lack of it. All- or yeah. if
1: you want one word Greed Greed as well But it was focused on quality That was uh, really what happened So low standards Low standards So The Atari 2600 console a VCS Or whatever you want to call it That um, Was the de facto Video game console Although there was the Intellivision And the Vectrex And the ColecoVision there was The Atari 2600 Was the kingpin And It started out in 1976 And then it just kept on going For a good seven years This is mm. You know, a long time for a video game console. And um, an 8-bit machine, pretty limited, and what they managed to squeeze out of it was unbelievable. However, towards the end of its life, in 1981, 1982, um, there was basically a big free-for-all of third-party manufacturers making games for the console. Previously, yeah. Atari had a vice grip over the machine. But then Activision appeared, and this is when before Activision turned into what it is now, and they started making games and actually giving credit to the makers of the games. That's another story for another time. But the thing is, when that opened up, the floodgates of other developers started coming in, and some pretty horrific games um, started appearing, some of which actually were pornographic. There's one... Beat'em and Eat'em it. Custer's yeah. Revenge Custer's Revenge There you go And that was the beginning Of the end Was of that pretty 20-
0: or, or around the same time As Sam was,
1: Fox Strip Poker it's, oh, <laughs> It might have been Around at the same time Because that's 1983 Sort of period. Or was that on the Specky uh, yeah. That was on the Spectrum mm-hmm. The Sam Fox thing So this is very much A video game console Crash yeah. Uh, we're not. I'm, I'm putting aside computer games like uh, for the Apple and uh, Apple II, uh, and also also for the Spectrum and the Commodore 64. That's that fact. 1983 was an absolute explosion of games in that period. So putting that aside, this is about video games specifically. Sure. Well, on on your television, get a video game console cartridge in the slot, turn it on, off you go.
0: May I interject, Chris? Because there is a, a relationship between the two of them. A lot of the uh, compute, home computers were marketed in the UK, as I understand it, as I have read it, because I was too young to remember, yes. uh, with uh, uh, the focus in advertising on, your kid will need a computer when they go to college, what they don't want to be is distracted by video games, get a computer. But Absolutely. that was uh, that kind of cannibalized it, because the more video games uh, proliferate, that also helps and uh, uh, boosts the computer market.
1: It was the lie, the most kids in those times. I yeah. did it. Said, it was, I really need one. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> it, I mean, it was brief and it was tied into the whole, um,
2: BBC programme where, yes. you know, BBC Model Bs were put in every school and, you know, it was all about computer literacy, and you had those wonderful uh, documentaries on TV, which you can still watch on YouTube. Yes. Sadly, sadly, one of the guys who, might, who presented most of those he died uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, anyway, it's depressing, <laughs> but they're worth tracking down and watching because they were, they were fab.
0: There's going to be more depressing facts coming up, I'm sure.
1: And what's but, what's a bit twisted about this is, we, although we said it was the lie, it wasn't a lie, no, because it I mean, was true. It did the, actually make us one of the most prolific programming houses well, of, of nations in the world
2: I
0: was carry gonna, on gary sorry
2: yeah i was gonna i was actually gonna mention that so um it was because the the, the microcomputer war was so aggressive in europe i mean particularly in the uk but i mean it's all across europe really um the one you know uh, sinclair especially um but also Commodores, soon realized that the way they were going to get massive numbers and big profits was actually was going to be to embrace games. Um, I mean, Sinclair uh, early on made a sort of, sort of slight bid for it in that um, their Scion label that they had that they, they brought out a whole load of games, some of which are, you know, still classics today. Most of which were garbage. You know, they were sort of Atari 2600 ripoffs, a lot of them. Yeah. But, but. You soon saw, and, and Chris will remember this, but, you know, shops like WX Smiths and even Boots, when you went in there, they were just like a whole wall of video games, and they were all cassettes, because they were yeah. the Spectrum and Commodore 64. You know, the whole notion of this being these being home computers that you do productivity on was thrown out the w- window within the space of about two years, because as soon as people knew they could make a lot of money uh, making games, they did. Uh, so were these yep.
0: their bedroom coders, or were these um, smaller companies?
2: Both, really, Both. and... Uh, yeah. And from those, uh, some larger companies formed from, from very small beginnings, the companies like Ocean and, yeah. uh, and US Gold in the States and, and others, you know, and they really, they were made up of, um, bedroom coders and, very astute businessmen, and within like a, a year or two, they were driving around in Ferraris. You know, it was, oh, it was not that... so astute. Sorry, go Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine anyone? Yeah, yeah that's um, the that's the example of the complete excess. Yeah, so but yeah. they were, you know, they had sports cars and they had money, and
1: and it all happened very quickly for them. Yeah. Mm. Um. So that aside, because like I said, we're talking about people running around Ferraris. How is that a crash? But there was this twenty six hundred. Going back to this quality, they just flooded the market with these video games, which were normally going for about forty or fifty pounds a pop. Three or four years prior to that, and then they just swamped the market completely with these terrible, terrible games. And um, people reacted to this, and there's this the infamous story of uh, E.T. The, the the video game which i do believe is verified now correct me if i'm wrong yeah they oh, Gary, make, but. made a documentary haven't they and it's yeah an that uh, logic dig no nevada desert they actually yep. took a load of et cartridges and threw them into a landfill yeah. in the nevada desert because they just couldn't sell them because the game was made in about eight weeks which is nothing weeks. for yeah five weeks sorry um but there was nothing, that, that sort of period was, you know, that's how long it took Manic Miner to make. But this is not the same thing, this is an Atari 2600, there were a pain to make games on it. It was extremely difficult. Um, you didn't have a nice keyboard and that sort of thing, it, you know, the way to make games on it. You had to, the, the, the gymnastics that programmers had to do to actually get anything on the screen that resembled a game was phenomenal. Yeah. Because there was hardly anything to... The 2600, hardly anything.
0: So was this actually, um, was this the first or second generation of home consoles where you could even interchange games in the first, uh, at all?
1: Second generation. Second generation, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the why,
0: did, why didn't it happen for the first,
1: first gen? Um, the first one was barely there, um, it, it only happened, it was the uh, Odyssey 1, I think it was the Magnavox, is, Odyssey 1, yeah. and uh, that was basically really, it was the prototype or the, yeah. I mean, there was the... So, like, the
0: original Xbox was the prototype for the 360, and they're just like, get that out of the way, and then we're starting. Yeah. The... They, they there basically was were...
1: as well. Yeah, yeah,
2: they were just pong machines, I and mean, that's essentially all they were. Yes,
1: I was about to say that, that, <laughs> Larry, that yeah, Sorry. they were no, That's all right. Well, tennis, I mean, tennis um...
2: as they would have called it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the very first one must not go there. But, yes, they were not just Pong games, there were other games, but ultimately all you had on the screen was squares of some description or some rectangle-like shape, whether it's a square or a natural rectangle. That's all it had.
0: That was the stuff that would cause screen burn to basically give you like Pong lines all over your your screen because there was no such thing as screen savers in those days.
1: Well, yeah, people were playing these things for hours because after all, Pong was not a fantastic game, but it was very addictive. Oh, yeah. Loved playing pong without a massive ping pong table in their room so uh it's it's bound to be successful but yeah people don't understand what what screen burn was because it was a unique phenomenon like why is it why has it been turned off and it's still burnt on (laughs) pretty bad like you can play pong all the time yeah the
2: thing i think the thing to remember about the the 80s crash was Mm. that it was very much a crash created and um occurring in the u.s
0: um, yeah, it's it, the, from what well, I read, it, it did say a lot of the US uh, crashed because it, the Europe yeah. had a different market. Japan was very insular at the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, just
1: you, sorry, does you say that? But it, I remember at the time I was there. I was like, you know, when in 1983, I was twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember this very distinctly. You know, I had it in television and couldn't find games for it. For love nor money. Why? Yeah. Because they weren't making games for it anymore. It's just. You know, it's that at that time I realised that I couldn't use. I loved my television, mm. fantastic machine, and uh, not a lot of people talk about it. It's just sad. What but, did you upgrade uh, to? A uh, Spectrum.
2: Good. I guess. I guess what I mean, Chris, is that although it was felt here, I mean, nearly all of the developers for the games and nearly all of the companies that published games on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Intellivision Television were US based. Yeah, and in fact, you can you can still see the results of that even today, even though. Um, it's no, no longer, you know, it, it's been weakened a great deal over the past few years, but Britain in particular, but certainly, um, Europe as a whole went on to dominate video games production yeah. for best part of 20 years. And, you know, during the, certainly during the nineties, a lot of the biggest and brightest studios that were making video games were, even for the Japanese consoles, were based in Europe. And, um, and most of those were based in the UK. You know, it, it created on the back of the kind of punk movement in, Micro computer games, you know, video games and uh, the Manic Miner onwards stuff. It, it created a massive industry in this country, which we, we nurtured for a while. Um, and then as, as is the British way, just left it to rot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was, you know, it, it took, I would say until the Xbox. Until Microsoft came into the market and the Xbox came along, before that started to Mm. yeah, before that started to reverse.
0: But the fact that it wasn't really felt so much in Japan could definitely contribute to how that Japan, especially with just about to put out Sega and Nintendo, why they became powerhouses for the eight and sixteen bit eras.
2: Well, there was obviously a vacuum left in the States in particular because, yeah. you know, Atari were on the ropes. They they basically went into home computers, didn't they, Chris? So um, I can't remember the names of the models now, but they they
1: essentially went into 8-bit and 16-bit home computers that Yes, started. I mean, you had the Atari 400, Atari 800, 800 yeah. But there were new consoles as well. Yeah. There was the uh, 5200, which was never released in the UK or Europe, and then there was the 7800, which was... And that was very akin to the MES. But I think we might be dashing ahead a little bit there. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I know the answer to this one. I want to hear someone say it. What dragged us out of it? Or specifically, what dragged the US out of it?
1: Um, can what I, set um, the standard? Can I do this one, uh, Gary, or Julian? Yeah, to... yeah. It's all right. Uh, again, quality. <laughs> but this time, In it the opposite was, direction. It was a literal... Um, Because not only was the understood that quality was important, but there was a seal that was made by a company that actually stamped on their games to say this met an approved standard. Do they still do that? um, No, they do not. Not as well, but they have a, it's still around, you can still see it. You can still see it, but it's not the It's on DS same cartridges. I know oh, that. It is, yeah, yeah. But oh, we're uh, just giving away what company it was.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying
1: to build up, and you just oh, so throw right. it against the rocks.
0: Um, oh, yes. that, which other company is synonymous with a seal of quality? Seal of quality. Well, you know. Okay, but the, uh, explain Tesco? the importance of the seal. What did this signify?
1: I believe, I believe, this is my perception of it and what I've read about it, because I've read some books about it and stuff, is it it gave a sense of, uh, assurance Mm. that to the buyer that what they're picking up isn't going to be bad, isn't going to be the same level of Awfulness as what the, was experienced in the 2600 days, because. It might that's be what awful, happened. but you'll
0: probably be able to play it.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, some of them were, were bad, um, even still, despite the quality thing, but it were nowhere near as bad as what was yeah. pumped out in the 2600. And it did take him three years. I believe <laughs> the NES came out in 1985, right? I'll double check. That in one. the US, um, I think that was the case. Didn't happen in two eighty eight in the UK, but, uh, mm-hmm. That's another story for another time. That's why we embraced the Master System. But um,
0: 83 the, in Japan, 85 in North America, 86 in Europe, apparently. There
1: you go. There you go. So I was right about 1985. So 1985 is a very important year for North America um, because then that's when NES arrived and they marketed it in such a way, you know, computer Nintendo Entertainment System. You know, tried to get away from the word computer and that sort of thing. I didn't want the family, you know, I mean, in the U.S. And so in Japan, it's the family con, but they couldn't mm. have it. I couldn't call it a family com- computer. It it's has, an entertainment you know, system. They even, they actually
0: marketed system. it as a toy. A because toy. retailers Played were getting terrified of bringing in uh, uh, video games, consoles, because they had no faith in them anymore. So they're like, no, no, no it's America, a toy. They're... That's why Rob the Robot
1: Yeah, yeah, in North America specifically. Yeah, yeah. But will be really careful about this because I get very defensive about it and and Gary would too. Is that I've read lots of texts and there's uh, there's a book called The Ultimate History of Video Games. Oh, yes. It's it's just 100%. If it didn't happen outside North (laughs) America. It didn't happen at all. If it didn't happen in the United States, let alone North America, United States, it didn't happen at all. It was, it's horrible. Horrible book. (laughs) Um don't don't read it. It's, well maybe it's... they
0: just need to retitle it, the complete history of video games
1: in the United yeah. States. Yeah, that's what everyone says. If you go on you go on Amazon you just look like yeah, that's what it has to be subtitled in the United States. Okay. But honestly, anything that didn't happen if it didn't happen in the United States then it didn't happen at all. Well how Very... did
0: Nintendo even get their console over there since Japan doesn't exist?
2: <laughs> it's like the George Bush map of the world isn't it Here be dragons yeah. everywhere <laughs> it's extraordinary
0: so but... yeah Nintendo come along they released this console they put out a, a seal on it it, it yep. wasn't just the seal they also as I understand it made a very clear statement to the third party developers you may de- develop five games per year make them five good ones that's right which yeah. led to developers sometimes in an underhanded fashion dividing their company up to create other subdivisions so that they could create multiples of five per year. Still trying to get the fucking shovelware out and trying to get him in under the wire. Oh yeah, it's greed. What a brilliant yeah. way. You notice the fact that we had just gone through a fucking video game yeah. crash because of greedy Look, cocks like
2: you. This is yeah. going to be an a, a ongoing theme, I'm afraid, in that lessons mm-hmm. are never
1: learned. Yeah. No, history has a tendency to repeat itself in all the time and I would not just that, make but... five
0: good games a year and go ok let's suck it up put the effort in
1: because it's hard <laughs> it's expensive it's expensive that's the problem it's a lot of effort and it's expensive why would you it... want to produce an inferior product because it sells mm. apparently initially and then people you know realise that it's, it's arse Okay.
0: So yeah, Nintendo got the, these uh, things happening and also the arcades um, even though technically arcades were on the uh, the out in comparison to their boom years in uh, the, the 70s, uh, yeah. they, they started getting more diverse and popular and different types of games because the technology started coming on in leaps and bounds, there were more, we more can, varied cabinets that came out. We can
1: thank Sega for that. Hmm. People may yell at me for that, because there were some other games, mobile companies that weren't Sega. Capcom. But Capcom, um, yes. And I was thinking... although well, the economy
0: will. were one of those companies that divided itself up so that it could produce more than one, uh, more than five games a year. Thanks. Hmm.
1: So, anyway, be that as it may... We uh, put the con back in economy. <laughs> and, in fact, the video games, you know... The increasing popularity in video game home actually fed off of the arcade, and arcades fed off yeah. the video games so there's a, there was actually a, a dual relationship that lasted for about maybe 10 years hmm. maybe a little bit less
0: so you get arcade ports at home but they'd always be inferior just to yeah. give that arcades the edge
1: well because no way you could get a hard because you know the whole point about arcades and I remember reading articles about it at the time was that the games were, the hardware was built around the game yeah not the other way around
0: And it's impossible to keep doing that Because what you're effectively talking about there is a PC If you have to constantly update the damn thing
1: Yeah Um, Then then you had the jammer modules and that sort of stuff And it all became a bit like video game consoles
0: Let's give Gary a go for a bit Gary, how much do you know about the 92 to 93 crash? The the, the Sega based one Because this one obviously was uh, followed some just under 10 years afterwards
2: well, I think it, it coincided with um, a decline in sales on things like the Amiga and the uh, mm. and the Atari ST as well. And um, in, I know at the time, I mean there was there was a general slowdown of of, re, of retail sales. And I know at the time, the the finger was firmly being pointed at um, piracy as being one of the principal causes, certainly in the UK, because I mean piracy on the Amiga and ST were rife. Um, you know far beyond anything um, you saw you, you, you know you saw recently with the PC to be honest with you I mean I remember at school I think virtually every person I knew played pirated League games very few people actually bought them it was quite shocking actually it was institutionalised um, you know there were, there were people who were just sat at home and, Churning out discs and flogging them for 50p. It was pretty, it was, you know, it was criminal, effectively. Um, But
0: very, very easy on that system.
2: Yeah, it was too easy to do. And so the Amiga CD32 was kind of brought out as a kind of, uh, you know, to try to rectify that. I think actually, in this country anyway, there was a move towards consoles, um, and a lot of the games developers moved towards consoles as a safe haven. Mm. So I think that's. Although um you know the history books may say there was a crash, my reading of it was it was more like a f- it was more like a uh, gentle decline. A, it was more, but well, it was a, there was a downturn in the global economy anyway. So there mm. was there was quite a bad recession between nineteen ninety three, where it was the you know uh UK left the European Exchange Rate Mechanism and all that kind of stuff happened, and we had the dark time. Crisis. Yeah, yeah, and there was a two two stock market crashes in Wall Street and in Black London. So
1: Wednesday, was, I seem to remember. Yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was more. Uh, of a flatlining but I know and I've I've read um, quite recently that uh, again that uh, at the time it was felt that uh, actually the video game industry was seen as kind of recession proof because Mm. one of the weird things that happens is when you get a dangerous words by the way (laughs) well when you get a global recession historically entertainment products actually go up Mm. so it's one of those bizarre things so well, um, I want to
1: escape the miseries like the music indeed from so, uh, the thirties.
2: Yes, the cinema attendance tends to go up um, more recently. DVD and Blu-ray purchases go up, yeah. and video game sales have historically gone up. I mean, the, the video game boom of the early eighties was in one of the was in a depression, in effect. Um, and I think th- this time it was very much a flatlining, followed by then. Rapid growth um, towards the sort of middle of the 90s. So,
0: yeah, once the PlayStation came out, that rocketed back up again. Yeah, that that presented well, it it was it ushered in, well, thanks to PC uh, related gaming, 3D 3D gaming. Yes, but it
1: also paralleled the economic upturn. Yeah, so So I I think think it was quite a short
2: maybe it was if it did crash, it was a very short one. It was like a a one or two year
1: dip, or one year dip if that was also a correlation between the previous one. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Gary, you carry on. But I was, I mean, okay, my, no. It's just that I remember I never had a Mega Drive contemporary for the time. I do remember about
0: seven times on this show. <laughs> Every have time I... you come on, somehow it drops into conversation.
1: Yeah. Cause they didn't have video game consoles at the time. I was, I was a big computer fan at the time. But anyway, the point is, I just want to say that's so a relevance to, of course, yeah. I remember going into stores and seeing line rows upon rows of these, games, and they were again of many, there was no sea-loop quality as far as yeah. Sega is concerned.
0: As the Mega it Drive just, got older versus the SNES, it started looking shitter and the last few yeah. games were fucking
2: ropey. There was loads of bootleg games, yeah. and and, and there was the same thing you had with the Atari 2600 where you had companies making their own cartridges and It got messy.
0: And other machines and arcade machines were starting to do really um, jazzy things and the Mega Drive's attempts to emulate this were laughable at best. But there was a lot
1: of that. I mean, it's quite interesting that the best version of, in my opinion, uh, of OutRun, which is one of my favourite games, uh, wasn't on the Mega Drive. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought it should be, but it wasn't. It wasn't until the Saturn, right? Yeah. You mm. get uh, a, an accurate representation of what meant, what the Outrun really was really like. Well,
0: that's the other thing because when the Saturn came out, they sort of tried to keep the Mega Drive going for a while longer, but it was oh, gasping.
1: Thirty-two yeah. X Tower of Power. <laughs> it
0: was like a, just a <laughs> pair of uh, what are they called? Those uh, defibrillator paddles. You just clang that down <laughs> uh, there. <laughs> was some,
1: there were some good games on no there. Good <laughs> Virtua racing was good on it, and uh virtual fight wasn't oh, too bad either. But yeah. I've actually, I actually played that about a month ago because I've, I've got one. It, it's, it's, it's functioning perfectly well, and uh yeah, it's, it's. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, there were there were some bad games, but uh, it was that's what happened towards it. I mean, ignoring that, you know, you're right. Putting. Um, Charger paddles on the on the on the Mega Drive. It was a phenomenally successful console. We cannot yeah. deny that. And they had to do everything. And just like the 2600 was a phenomenally successful title or machine, I should say. Yeah. Um, but um, it suffered the same fate as the as the as the uh, Mega Drive suffered the same fate. As 2600 ultimately, in many regards, is the quality of the software. Mm. Um, you know that and technolo- the progression of the technology, but the quality of the software killed it
0: you would think and you would hope that by the time it gets to the end of a console's lifespan, that uh, long-standing developers would know what the hell they could do with it, and you'd start to get better games, not worse.
1: This isn't about quality. Well, this is not about better games. This is about people investing money. Yeah. And like Gary said, the bootleg machines or bootleg cartridges and people making their own... It was just shovelware. Yeah. Anything to get out the door because you want to exploit the vast... Install base that now exists towards the end of the console's life. Yeah, this is a
2: what Nature really. It's the classic movie tie-ins and uh, yeah, but yeah, since r- garbage rip-offs of Nintendo Shaq games. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: mentioned Shaq Fu quite a bit on the forum recently. The, the game nobody wanted remade, even Shaq's mum. <laughs> um, but since '93. If you consider PlayStation then PlayStation Two, then PlayStation three say up to uh, two thousand six seven eight or nine we 're going to need to get work out where the peak was. There has been a growth of interest and a purchasing power But
1: it 's been exponential yes yeah. it's, it's it doubles
2: it doubles and, up. It doubled. It doubled.
1: and so, the okay. handheld
0: market as well exploded yeah. Obviously the game boy was huge, but the, the, the DS and the Wii by the you know by the end by the peak point that we 're about to talk about. The we had cracked open the existing uh, core user base and started drawing in everybody else. and I think that might be the problem, <laughs> but or one of the many problems that we're facing. Uh, but um, Gary, since this was your theory to begin with,
2: when yeah. it was the peak? Uh, 2009. There we go. (laughs) Easy easy to answer. (laughs) Okay,
0: uh, so uh, you you showed me a chart where it was just basically um, Enron, The Ride of Broken Dreams, coming down from 2009 and just this this plummet of how much the industry has been worth since 2009. How did we get to it? (sighs) What, how did we get to 2009? How did we get to 2009? Specifically, what resulted, uh, what had happened up to that point, that meant that there has been decline since then for the past five years. I would, um, I, well, don't say the digital cowboys podcast. <laughs>
1: no, not at all. Well, I mean, the, the I think I was that question, of how did it start? Yeah. Um, and for me, that would be the uh, PlayStation. Stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's PlayStation.
2: That's the thing that kicked it all off. And that, that momentum, deep. yeah, it, that momentum was kept. All the way up to, to two thousand and nine, and then uh, you talk about the success of the Wii and things like that.
1: I mean, they, they come on the coattails of that, basically. Yeah, and that was despite the industry. Actually, sometimes, uh, especially PlayStation, mm-hmm. they seem to be played. Launched the PlayStation three was us witnessing a company wanted to self-destruct.
3: $599 uh,
0: US dollars.
1: Yes. we will get a second uh,
0: job for this. Whoa.
1: That's right. There's and, nothing
0: uh, that could go wrong here.
1: And then uh, only, you know, five years, well, yeah, for, for seven years later, mm-hmm. Microsoft um, took that role on instead. Um, but that's a discussion for another time. Or is it? I don't know.
0: I don't know if it's contributory.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
2: gotta,
1: so, sorry, just to put something in context about, you know,
2: what we've, you're know, you tr- you alluding to there, Alex. I, I think one of the uh, key things was the inflated expectation that was reached as a result of all of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as Chris said, because the PS3 came out and it still, in the end, turned itself around, there was this view that the industry was bulletproof. And I'm sure there are absolute parallels to how things were back in 82, 81, 82. Mm-hmm. It was very similar. Um I found this piece on um, on Gama Sutra that was published in two thousand and eight, mm. which was talking about how much the industry will be worth in twenty
0: twelve.
2: Yeah, so was it wrong? It was wrong by a magnitude of a hundred percent. Nice. <laughs> you know, so um, they thought the industry would be worth sixty eight billion by twenty twelve,
0: based um, on what?
2: What, what did they think
0: was going to
2: keep they increasing? They, they were just taking projections. So they were just taking projections. Yeah, so it was worth about 24... Well, including lots of things, it was worth about $24 billion in, um globally in, in, in 2008, hmm. and it went a bit up in 2009. And funny enough, they stopped publishing figures after that because uh, they didn't want to <laughs> emphasise the fact it collapsed so much. But they thought it would keep on going, so they thought it would double... And in fact, it didn't really go much higher than it got to in two thousand and eight, nine. So, you know, they they just got it horribly, horribly wrong. Um, but you know, you had venture capitalists, you had people just throwing money at anyone who was making games. You know, you've got a plastic guitar here, take my money. You know, you've got this wacky idea, take my money. It was it it was like the dot com bubble. It's like all these bubbles. You know, it, it if people lose reason There were studios for being formed left, right and centre, particularly in the US, um, that had hundreds of developers, you know, and they were just making, as Chris was saying earlier, just shit, uh, and putting it up there. What, what was the shit they were making? There were loads, I mean, THQ were probably responsible for a lot of it, um, but there were loads of sort of, um, uh, Disney in particular just flogged itself out to anyone who would make something with their name on it, and, hmm. um, there were lots of terrible movie ties, particularly for animated movies. Oh, um, well, I don't know. I mean, some of them are good. No, I'm not saying they all, all were.
1: Sinbad was great, wasn't it? And That's that dream happens, words, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But the games like,
2: I mean, uh, Open Seasons is a good example. I mean, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not a terrible right. game, but it's not a very good game. And putting a mm. full price on that and sticking it out there. Mm. And that, that game was probably knocked up in about six months. Ratatouille. And, the, and, and lots of those games all followed the same template. You could tell they were just the same game, just repurposed. Yeah. You know, they were... They were linear 3D action games, um, and almost all of them were identical in the way they played and they, and the way they looked. They were just re-skinned for each movie that came along and all churned out by THQ and, and a small number of studios. Um, and we had a few of them, we had a few of them over here as well that, that did that.
0: So this is affecting, uh, the, the full price games market and the AAA games market in, in that, um, it's, uh, we're now seeing studios for major studios closing down.
2: Well we've lost I mean in the UK I think we've pretty much lost all but two of the major ones. Yeah. Well, um, we've still got Rockstar. Well uh, Rockstar yeah. Uh, we've got and we've got uh, Codemasters. Well Rockstar's a weird one because they're, they're I would say they're multinational now, although they have a yeah. large presence in, mm. in Scotland. They've got loads of developers all around the world. But effectively Codemasters is definitely is fully UK based. Okay. hmm Um I'm struggling to think and, than else then str-
1: and then uh, well, you got, and then first again rare, haven't you?
2: Yeah, and Rare, who have been dramatically downsized as well. So you're then struggling. I've been making
1: Avatar
0: clothing for the past six years. And
2: Lionhead's still around. Yeah, they're still around. But, you know, there was a time, particularly towards the end of the PlayStation 2 era and the beginning of the Xbox, um, PS3 era, where we had, you know, we had maybe 20-plus big studios. Yeah. Um... And and we've just lost nearly all of them. And I mean, this, it's been the same in the US; they've lost a lot, but nowhere near as much as we have in this country.
0: Is this because of uh, the required? Uh, this is the in, in rapidly inflating budgets for AAA games and the requirement of uh, take-back on them. Return.
2: almost almost certainly, yeah. So it's it's the fact that these things cost so much more to make, and the scope of the games dramatically increased. And um, I think in order for games to it, it reached a point where, in order for a game to... Well, the perception was, in order for a game to be successful, mm-hmm. you had to spend a shit-ton of money on it. Um, and so that everyone then started just spending a shit-ton of money on everything. And, of course, it was just basically gambling, because you were lucky if one in 50 of those actually came off and of made money.
1: One uh, recent I'm, examples um, is um, Tomb Raider. Yeah. Okay. The remake of Tomb Raider, uh, re- re- reimagining, um, that game is said to be a failure. According to developers, um, publishers, yeah, it yeah. sold bajillions. Yeah,
0: sold bajillions. Was really good, critically yeah. acclaimed. Yeah, didn't take back as much money as say, Battlefield,
1: or Call of Duty. Yeah,
0: you know? which, oh. okay, can't wait, right. There's two things which um, clearly have affected these these inflating budgets and what people are aiming for. Um, it's the the big big AAA stuff, and mm-hmm. we can't not mention the smartphone market. That's a huge, huge contributory factor.
2: Well, there is an argument that, I mean, the iPad, um, when it came along, caused such massive disruption, but not just to the games industry, but across across the whole of um, consumer electronics, really. Because when it first appeared, no one really, you know, it was much derided, actually, to be fair. Um, but then, all of a sudden, people discovered this was the thing that they. Was most convenient for them to use. And so this, this whole idea of having a box under every television completely disappeared because people were no longer even looking at televisions. Yeah. Uh, they were looking but, at their own screen and their own lap and not it, a laptop either. The, exactly. And the whole re- thing having a great big box in your, in a, in a home office or in a corner was no point anymore because you can just hold a small magazine sized thing on your lap and do everything you want to do. So it caused massive disruption. But to be fair, the impact actually on the game industry has been pretty much flat in that although it it hemorrhaged console sales, it, it contributed to console sales hemorrhaging um, clearly um, it it's in itself has also become a huge market for video game development although nowhere near as big as people think so although yeah. there is a huge amount of games that are created on that and most of them are awful, um, they make very little money unless they are the crazy candy crushes and Clash of Clans of this world. You know, they are the exception. You know, Clash of Clans made a hundred and, I must get this in because I've mentioned it before and I, yeah. this will, this will fascinate your listeners. Okay. So Clash of Clans made by um, Supercell were in Finland made, is a, I don't know if anyone's ever played it. It's basically like a Facebook game and it's, it's a sort of resource management castle building game, um, on, on the iPhone and iPad and Android. It is, the most inane, boring thing you'll ever play is Farmville. Basically, basically, you know, you 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 build something, and come back the day after to see it finished, or you put money into it. Oof. They made 812 million dollars profit profit last year, and that is more than EA has made in the past ten years. So when you when people get uh, angry at EA putting out crap like Dungeon Keeper.
0: And call them you have the to, worst
2: company in the world. You have to step back and think to yourself, but of course they would, because they're looking at, at um, Supercell, and they think to yourself, what the fuck have we been doing for the past 10 years? These Muppets come along and make more money than we've done in 10 years on, like, a, a hundredth of the budget and are raking in the money. Mm. And so they think, we'll have some of that. Um, but, you know, th- that's where it's been disruptive, in that there is the profits that could can be made on mobile and tablet are huge. Yeah. But it's only a tiny, tiny fraction that are actually actually seeing any of that money. The vast
1: majority of developers on, on mobile lose money. Yeah. And there's a, there's a wonderful image that I'm trying to find now, but there was um, a great uh, image of someone um, showing uh, all the Clash of Clans clones. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on and on. It's all like, you know, I won't name them. Actually, I know I won't name them, but they're just, they're just the same game reskinned in a different way but it is the same game over and over again and uh, it's pathetic really uh, none of these other games actually make a fractional amount of class of clans makes because just, they're not class of Cans, and people you know um, glom onto that and it's again corollary to what happened in 1983
2: so to, to, to go back to your,
1: your opening
2: statement Alex and the reason why I, I say that we are I think we're at the end of the current crash But you think? Not yeah, so, only
0: are we already in the middle, we're already at the end.
2: I think we're near the end. I think it's near the bottom. So, to put it into perspective, now I've got I've got the figures for the UK because UK do actually publish their figures, which is useful. The US is hard. Well, US and globally is harder because they start once it they're, they're, once it turned into a a bear market, they stop publishing the figures, you know, because it's too shameful. Um, but UK basically s their estimate was that the UK games market, this is for sale of video games, consoles, computer games, mm-hmm. mobile games, was about three and a half um, billion in 2009. By last, by 2012, there's no figures for 2013 yet, but I don't anticipate them being much different. By 2012, that had dropped to below, to, to around about um, 1.6. So it f- basically halved. So the amount of money actually being spent on games, on consoles, on computer games, on mobile games, on peripherals, halved in three years. And it is the biggest single drop in the entire lifetime of the video games in, uh, market in three years. It lost more than any of these other crashes that have been mentioned. Globally, it dropped from about 20, 20 billion, 24 billion, something like that, in um, 2009, to, to around about 14 and a half billion by 2012 so even globally it dropped by over a third and that's you know Japan didn't really suffer anywhere near the kind of um, um, fall in sales that uh, we have here and obviously they contribute a lot to the global market but in the US they've had a slowdown the UK and Europe especially have had a massive slowdown
0: there is also a lot to be said uh, uh, in terms of contributing to this. And this is a podcast in itself about our perceived value of games as a community and how much we are prepared to pay for games. And Steam plays into this, as well as the App Store, as well as uh, Xbox and the and P- PlayStation and the uh, secondary market uh, for games and how much yeah,
1: I mean, we are to pay for that. PlayStation Plus is yeah, definitely yeah. contributed to that. I'm not going to buy that. Why? Because it would be free in inverted commas um, when it comes out on a PlayStation Plus yeah. for about a month.
0: And that uh, yeah. it might seem like it's uh, it's it's incidental, but that is hugely contributory in terms of how much we're pumping into the industry now. This My, uh, this graph that you've sent me, Gary, is uh, like th- was it 34 million in 2009?
2: And a we billion, were, billion yeah, billion, so it's like, sorry, yes, yeah, 3.5 billion roughly. Yeah. Oh Christ!
0: And and now it's uh, 1.7 billion. Yeah, we're, we're so at, and just, that's the UK that. gaming market. Once worth yeah. right now. So and no one's on. talking
2: about this. No one's talking about this. No, well, everyone's in denial. Whenever I mention this, yeah. people say, you're talking rubbish. I'm like, no, you, no. you have to look around you. Right. Back in 2009, there were video game shops on every ev- in every town. Some, thanks to games ineptitude, there were like two or three, you know, but you, you had, you could go and buy video games in, you know, in a dedicated store yeah. in virtually every small town in this country. And today. Now- You've got to go to major towns, and if you're lucky, there's one, maybe yeah. two. And if HMV's still alive. Point of and, fact,
1: you can't yeah. do it in central London. No, no, can't. yeah, no central London. Well, I mean, no,
2: no, I have to go out to um, uh, Surrey Keys if I want to go to a game store. Now, <laughs> it's it is uh, crazy. So if you if you think you know it hasn't happened, you only have to look on your high street and see it has happened now people will say oh yeah but that's because of digital but the problem is that and this is what sort of linking into what you're saying alex is that a lot of these companies have, have like wanted have like been desperate to embrace digital because they're worried about sell-on sales you know second-hand sales hemorrhaging their profits blah, blah 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 what they've discovered though is that in in the digital world these games have nowhere near the same value so uh games that are released on steam for example um they will sell for about three days and then they will sell no more unless they are, you know, exceptional or unless there is, you know, there is some um, incentive for for there being an ongoing tale. But a lot of games will, will sell up until the point they're released, will sell for a few days afterwards and then they flatline. And the only time they then sell any more copies is when Steam has a sale. So effectively, they're just wiping off all the value of their product within like two or three days, which is so much faster than it was when they used to put things out at retail. Um, but the whole reason that they were desperate to embrace digital was because, you know, they felt that retail was hemorrhaging their sales. So it's ended up being far worse for them than actually originally envisaged. It's the same on, you know, mobile platforms. You know, if you nail it in that first week and you get mass coverage, mm. it's dead. It has no tail at all. Um, and one of the things that, you know, the, the Microsoft... And Nintendo and Sony are accused of is artificially propping up prices on their, on their online stores. They have to, (laughs) because if they didn't, they'd be worthless. There there is this lack of perceived value for something that's digital. And it's great for the consumer, because you get it cheap. But in terms of the overall market's worth and the industry, it's having a dramatic effect in terms of how much money sloshing around. And
0: when, (laughs) when measures are made to control it in some way, Let's see if we can eliminate the secondary market. Everybody loses their shit. Yeah. 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 Not that I'm saying that they had entirely altruistic reasons to do that, but the sudden backtracking on, on the decision was based on the fact that everybody went, no, fuck off, I'm not paying more money. What about me?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely. Different... D- I've done it myself. We've all done it. Like,. You know, I'm not gonna buy that game on Steam right now, why? Because it'll reappear in a month's time and I've got loads of games as it is, I'm kinda swamped, my pile of shame is massive, so I'll just wait. You know, it happens that I did it with gone home, like, oh, I'll just wait.
2: And there is <laughs> no there is no logical reason why the value of those games should drop in price. Because the reason retailers drop games in price is they wanna clear their shelves for more stock. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to get rid of stock. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever that games on steam should be cheaper there, right. there is no and there was a there's a guy who wrote and oh, no, I forgot the name of the game again now um, there's a guy who wrote a really good blog post um he's a developer of he writes these really quirky games uh, and he made this one about breaking into a house um Chris helped me out yeah. What's it called um, the Summit castle
1: um oh uh, breaking into a house i mean there was you designed uh, traps crush and the stuff.
2: Castle. No, no, no. Castle Doctrine. That's it, the Castle Doctrine. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So yeah, so this, this developer who, who's made the Castle Doctrine, he's famous for making these kind of artsy, weird games. He made yeah. a, a, Nintendo DS game about, um, the diamond, the blood diamond industry, for example. It's one of the, you yeah, the sort Did of that thing get he does. released. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh yeah. It was on Kickstarter as well. Yeah. And it got released. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, but, um, Uh, He said, "Sorry, carry on." (laughs) Yeah, he basically said that it makes no sense whatsoever that the price of a game should actually fall. So when he said that when you release your game, the people who buy it day one should be getting the best deal, and then the longer people wait, the more expensive it, it should be. And he said the whole economy of you know the app store and, and uh steam and playstation network and all this stuff is completely screwy yeah
0: that should actually, he actually encourage people to buy early rather than what's yeah. waiting and, and he said he's actually going to do oh. that
2: he said he said right he he, did, he basically launched a paid alpha which was quite cheap it was only like a couple of dollars I think when the game came out it was 12 bucks he said but after after a month it will go up to 15 and by the end of the year it will be 20 and then it won't go up anymore nice because then you're going to I... get fuck all in the way of sales after that yep. anyway so, so if go... you want it get it now and um that it is absolutely would, right. That takes that, balls to do that, but if
0: everyone started doing that, then that would revolutionise the industry straight off.
1: It would. would re- people would actually buy yeah. when it was released, not
2: wait around it, for fire it makes- sales perfect logical sense and at the moment the only product, reason to
0: buy straight away is because twitter won't shut up about stealth park the stick of truth
2: yeah <laughs> it's, it, yeah exactly it's pretty peer pressure That's the only thing that makes you buy early now you might as well just wait and get it for next to nothing which is yeah. a terrible terrible way to look at um look at the hobby and you know when we talk about crashes and stuff it's quite clear that what's you know the thing that's actually driving this crash is that it's this this utter loss in value of the yeah. product um caused by As Chris said at the beginning, primarily quality, originally. People lost trust in the product, which is what happened last time. And the fact that it's coincided with this digital revolution that's affected all media, where the value of media has
1: plummeted. And I don't think it's quality now. No. Bear with me on this. Um, I don't think it's quality now. I think it's now it's a new thing, which is because of the world we live in, this online world we live in, god that sounds pretentious but it's <laughs> this um this, this, world we live yes yeah, yeah this 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 strange um thing we have is that you know you can download these games um and uh that's there's perception of well, it's just data isn't it yeah
2: it's
1: just there's no tangible thing what and cost you and,
0: anything so it shouldn't cost me anything
1: that's right yeah and there's that's the argument for another time but uh that's uh, and then of course we have other business models where in many, many cases uh, it's almost at the point where developers who sort of to be giving up are going, fine, we'll give it to you free, kind of. <laughs> so then we'll give you part of the game free, but the rest of it you have to pay for. You know,
0: pay for it? You fucking rip off merchants, <laughs> I'm not playing your game.
1: <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, and when it comes to games like Dota 2, that does actually work when people don't have to, you know, there's pass with exile the, and stuff like that. There's the
0: misinterpretation that your patronage is worth something to the mm. developer. That you playing the game should make them go, I thank my lucky stars, thank you, kind master, for playing my game. Fuck off! <laughs> you are privileged to be able to consume this entertainment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's this, it's an expensive thing to do. You know, I I you know I've worked in the software industry for nearly 20 years. Um obviously I've, I've only briefly worked with games but I you know I've made other things um like if you get arrested in Gloucestershire I wrote part of that system the police use you know but and it is horrendously expensive just to do something noddy like that yet let alone produce something as complex as a as a triple A video game. You know they are Horrifically complex pieces of software to actually create. Yeah. I mean, look at that uh, field four and an abortion that's become. And yeah, and, and I think people's perception of the value of what they get is, is somewhat, um, fucked. <laughs> you know, it's, people just don't understand, you know, they, they turn their nose up at, you know, paying 30, 40 quid for something, mm-hmm. um, which has costs. You know, a good um, example—Grand Theft Auto Five. I think two hundred and fifty million dollars it cost to make. Two hundred and fifty million dollars—that's more than most, you know, Michael Bay movies. It's an insane amount of money. Day one
0: online issues. Fuck Rockstar! They're a bunch of thieves. Yeah. Why didn't they tell me there'd be the day one online issues?
2: See what I what I find more cynical is the. You know, I, you know, I'm openly anti these, the, the, the fleecing fleet of free to play games. So I'm not including Dota and the like. I'm, I'm more like the, especially on mobile, which is just dreadful.
1: Yeah, Dota and Path of Exile and stuff. They're a different beast. Yeah they're, different beasts, yeah, they're a different
2: beast, yeah, And they're very upfront about costs and the costs are embedded in optional purchases and all that kind of stuff. But the, you know, a lot of these mobile uh, free to play games where, on mobile, we've actually seen what could happen to the entire game industry over a very short period of time because it, it, the explosion on mobile. I mean, I worked in mobile game development back in two thousand, and it was like it was snake, basically. You know, it <laughs> wasn't very specific. It was Java games, and they were rubbish. They were terrible. Uh, we, we charged like seven quid for them, you know, yeah. and they used to take about two weeks to make. So it, again, the 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 propensity for the games industry to try to rip off its its customers was has been has been there all along.
1: Oh but, yeah.
2: But, um, you know, we've seen in the mobile space that, um, you know, uh, when games first started appearing on the, on, um, Android and, and, Apple, Apple phones, um, they were like three, four, five, six quid. And people soon started to turn their nose up and say, I'm not going to pay six pound for a mobile game. And before you knew it, the only way to get your product out there and notice was it for it to be absolutely free. You know, it went down to about two pound, then it went down to one pound forty nine, and it was not, then it was a pound, then it was 50p, and then before you knew it, it was nothing. And so then you had all these weird and wacky business models coming in trying to recoup the costs. And we've now got some games out there which, you know, are essentially designed to, like a fruit machine, uh, to give you a little to take some away, to constantly give you and take away, give you and take away, to kind of hone in on that psychological urge to, to go to the next step, to fill that next bar, to grab that next thing. And slowing it down enough causing enough pain and discomfort that you will actually then go and purchase. Mm. You know, and they bring in psychology. I mean, you go and look on Gama sutra and you'll see whole articles about the psychology of free to play games and how to essentially con your consumers into spending money. It's no, no no longer is it about making an entertainment product. It's about making a it's about business models and it's about money. And I'm afraid that I think probably the One of the worst things that happened in the growth of the video games industry is the fact it is now all about money. I mean, it always was about money, but it was never the consumer was never aware of it. You know, uh, when I used to go in and buy a cassette in W H Smiths or go and buy a PC like theme park in the nineties or something, I don't know how many copies they sold. I don't know how much it cost to make. I just went in the shop and bought it and played it and enjoyed it. You know, PlayStation these days it's all you know if you look at games websites you know like you're a gamer or IGN or whatever it's all about how many copies this sold how much money did this make you know how much money is this it's all about even in the media we consume about our hobby it's all about the fucking money now and i think that is part of the fact that the industry got so big that all the money people got involved and and it's it's been self-destructive but it's because still the risks. Yeah, because of the it's yeah. because of it, absolutely the financial risks. Yeah, the financial risk got so high, it then all became about the money.
1: And it's, I think it's reached a zenith, uh, with the, uh, let's call them the current gen consoles, because that's what they are now. Let's face it, because they exist now. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, their, their launch and release is so different to the 360 and the PS3, in my opinion. There's a, it felt muted. Um, no, Elijah would. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just no larger wood indeed. It is not rad. It is not rad. <laughs> and um but no, it's I've you know, got Sony's crowing about selling twice as many Xboxes, but
0: Sony's crowing about selling twice as many Xboxes.
1: Twice as many than the uh, Xbox. Than the Xbox, yeah. yeah. And uh the Xbox One that is. So PS System four is twice as many out there than yeah. the Xbox One. Um but where are the games people? You know where 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 are we with that? And I think that might be something to do with what we're talking about today, is the fact that the the amount of money and, and effort it takes to make games for these machines. I'm talking about the major disc games, not the small independent games. Um, it it, take, it costs you know a phenomenal amount of effort. Look at uh, look at Wat Dogs. Watch Dogs, which is clearly in development hell. Yeah. And uh that's no no one wants that. Film industry suffered from this and television's industry suffered from this for decades, but uh video games definitely definitely suffer from it. And um yeah, watchdogs and I think it's it's part of that. And it's that was meant to be a launch game, but they said, Oh, now we've seen these articles and saying, Aren't Ubisoft brave for delaying the game Brave? How about running scared right now? <laughs> Have you seen the latest trailer for that thing? Don't, don't. It's horrible. But um, what's also interesting is you know, we, we're skirting around, I think we're skirting around the issue, maybe not, but why do we think Sony courted the indie, independent game developer for the oh. past three years? So they get up for content. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what it's about. Yeah. It's not about being cuddly and warm. It never is. It's about... You know, content. I mean, yes, they suffered hubris. And the, that press conference that, remember, a year ago, mm. when they announced the PlayStation 4, and everyone's going, oh rah, oh rah, yes, well done. <laughs> and you just go, and you go, well, yeah, they had to be like that, because if they were like, hey, PlayStation, woo! No, they couldn't do that again. They remember, you know, they, they did actually learn from that lesson. And um, that's why everyone's applauding them for, for actually learning from their mistakes. Well, you think?
0: Astonishing! But, that I mean, anyone could even do that
1: at all? But there it is. It's um. It's in, we're, uh, now, is it going to turn around, Gary? You seem to think this is going to the, the, the ship is going to turn around.
2: Well, I think we're uh, on the way out.
1: In fact, I'm not. Yeah, I'm
2: not convinced it will reach the heady heights of 2009 anytime soon. I think. If it Well, does. to do
0: that, it has to, something has to emerge which makes the public go, yes, we want this right now. Because well, it, that, that so much of, of, of what happened in 2009 actually relates to the Wii with Wii Sports and then Wii Fit. That was what caused it. Um,
2: and the iPad and Plastic iPad. guitars and all that as well. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember those, they've all disappeared and they were, I think for one of those years, I can't which one it was now. I think it may have been 2009 itself they represented about a quarter of all of the money spent that yeah. year it's a huge amount now the only thing that comes I anywhere mean, near close to that are my beloved skylanders which themselves are worth about two and a half billion
0: oh uh, uh, shut my mouth about ipad actually that wasn't until 2010 that was when we were starting to decline iphone though definitely
2: yeah so what so what's basically happened is that the the triple a market the disc market has actually fallen a lot faster mm. than the overall market but the digital sales on iPad and Android, things like that, have kind of taken up some of the slack, but they haven't taken up enough. So, you know, if you imagine for every sort of every sort of ten percent it falls, the iPad and Android and everything else is managing to absorb about five percent of that. So it's it's still falling, Mm -hmm. but it's it's helping to cushion the blow somewhat. And it, a lot of the games uh, industry is just basically flocking to those devices because th- at the moment that's the only one, they're the only ones that have growth. But their growth is only about 4%, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty small. So again, I th- any of them that are jumping now are jumping too late, you know, they needed to get in two, three years ago really. But I, I feel that um, if you, I mean, if you look at the trends, you know, you can look at the graphs and stats all day, but it's p- quite clear that it's kind of bottoming out and it's leveling off and if you look at the global economy, I mean, because I work for a bank, we get reports every week that, you know, all this monitoring of the global economies and stuff and the UK economy. And the, the global and UK economy has actually been improving now for about nine months. So nice. the games industry is likely to follow that trend and it will pull it up. Um, but I think... I don't see us ever reaching those those sort of the the problem we've got now is that although there may be as many games made, mm. the actual value of those games will be considerably less. So you're not going to be able to sell them. You're not going to be able to sell as many games at sort of sixty quid, sixty fifty pound a pop, the, like the, the 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 you know the um, publishers were back in two thousand nine, and that was just grossly inflating the value of the market. Um, and, you know, a lot of these indie games retail for significantly less than what uh, a AAA game would. And you're seeing perhaps 20% of the AAA games we saw in 2009. I mean, if you look, I mean, Chris was saying, you know, what's coming out. I mean, the reason, another reason why there's not a great deal out there is that just isn't the risks involved in AAA development so high. There just isn't that much being made anymore. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have, I, my view, I mean, I, you know, Chris may have a different, slightly different view because um, he's more of a PC gamer than I, although I do I do dabble. Um, my view is that we will see a lot more smaller games, a sort of correction where we're gonna get a lot more shorter, smaller titles on the consoles and on the PC. Mm-hmm. Um, which are less expensive to buy and we may have, you know, maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen AAA games a year. A bit like the movie industry, which you're familiar with, Alex, you know, where you've got your summer blockbusters. I think we'll end up with our, our Easter and um, Thanksgiving blockbusters in the games in the street, and the rest of the year it will be relatively small games developed by studios of sort of 5 to 20 people, and, yeah. and that's how it will be. And they will retail at about 15, 20 quid, which is probably about what they're worth.
0: So um, if you want to look at the positive side of it, then we're going to get less games, but those games that we do get will be, uh, will be a little more carefully made.
1: They'll be mind-blowing. <laughs> No, I mean. Let's but, not understate ourselves here. That's not hyperbole. They will be extraordinary. Um, because they will because have to be, otherwise they won't be able to survive. There's, there's going to be no middle ground. Yeah. That's the thing. Whether we like that or not, we know now. I mean, uh, let's look at Thief, for example, a contemporary title that turns out to be a middle ground game that's sold for full price and that will plummet very quickly because people will realize that it's dull.
2: It, um, actually lazarly it plummeted before it came out it was actually I, I got a, a PS4 copy uh, two weeks before it went on sale for less than 30 quid they were discounting it before it came out which says mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. good lord where's
1: that from uh,
2: a number of retailers, uh, Shop 2 and the game company and a couple of others all, all discounted it before it came out yeah. they, they did the same with Plants vs. Zombies Garden
1: Warfare as well this is what happens you see in a percept value is equated yeah. to quality you know, if it is it any good? No, well, you know, people will go out and buy. Amazingly, you did pay fifty pounds for things like Battlefield, uh, and when it works, it is actually quite entertaining. Um, very entertaining. It's a Battlefield game, of course it is. But um, you know, when it comes and and like FIFA, that's a good example. FIFA holds its value for all year. Yeah. Until the
0: next one comes
1: out. Until the next one comes out, then it plummets down to about you know two percent of its original value. Um, but it's why because it's a bloody good game. Um, but it's the one
0: football game people play all year.
1: There's prova. Don't forget that. But, um,
0: but if you don't really even count the, 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 uh, old FIFA anymore as FIFA, basically it, the,
1: yeah, it, yeah. It, it
0: retains its value. It simply switches to the next title along. It does. Dead man's yeah. boots.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's extraordinary how that machine works, but it does. For EA, uh, make, make a lot of money from it, but. Mm. I think Gary is absolutely spot on in that, uh, there is a lot of, um, uh, games that are being made now by small teams of one to twenty people. I play them a lot on, on Steam. I played one today, you know, the, the Land is Jelly, made by two people, I think. Well, actually, you know, made by one band, man, and then another person did the music, same person who did, uh, um, the Fed's music, disaster piece. But, yeah. um, uh, that, that's what we're going to face now. But these, these AAA games are going to be vast. I mean, they're going to give you as much as you put into them. Yeah. And FIFA is exactly the same way. And Titanfall is going to be exactly the same way. And uh, Battlefield the same way when it works. And, and also Call of Duty. This is why Call of Duty is so phenomenal, because people can just get by. I say get by. I envy them sometimes by just buying two games a year. You know, we've had this conversation before. You know, many have, many do. Us, um, hardcore, if you want to toy, or real games fans, if you like, can't bear the thought of just buying two games a year because it just doesn't feel right. But, you know, uh, there are people who are, who do do that. And, uh, it's, we're talking about, it's either Call of Duty or Battlefield and FIFA. Yeah. And, uh, they get by and they're, they're happy with that. And that's, that's okay. That's fine. And that's a market. Whether it's sustainable or not, I don't know. But um yeah, we're 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 heading for some very interesting times. I don't I still think the quality is going to con- continue to increase in certain fields and thanks, thankfully due to social networking uh, the 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 uh, cream of the crop will rise to the top.
0: Well, aside from the fact that a lot of people have to lose their jobs for this to become the the, the face of things, that actually does sound mm. like a very agreeable situation for me on a personal scale, but also uh, on a, a, a looking outside myself in terms of what people will be absorbing. It's, in terms of entertainment. it's
2: one of those things, it's the classic thing you get with all um, crashes or recessions, whatever you want to call them, in that big companies lay off people and a lot of those people... Um, then go on to either find other companies, or they go on to form their own companies, which become the new blood. You know, they can become the innovation in, in that in that market. Uh, and the games industry seems to thrive on that. You know, that's why that's why the UK uh, game development scene prospered so well in the in the eighties, the late eighties, and through most of the nineties, because it was seeded from these small, innovative bedroom coders that got together and made slightly bigger teams and they got together and made bigger teams and they, and mm-hmm. you know, and, um, uh, and then from that wonderful things were created, but, uh, and you're starting to see that now. So, you know, a lot of these big studios, um, I mean, case in point, um, gone home, which was made by the, some of the former guys from irrational, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and they're like five, 10 people, aren't they, Chris and all that?
1: Yeah. yeah. The
2: designer is the, uh, um, you know, and there's so many of these examples now where you know a smaller team has sprung up from the ashes of a, a big studio that's gone or one that's had lots of layoffs, and are producing really interesting, innovative games. And what will happen is that eventually they will make enough money that they will be able to then group together or bring more people in, and before you know it, they've got ten, twenty, thirty people, and they're making some truly original, innovative content um, that uh, that we can all enjoy. And these will be the Call of Duties and the um, not necessarily the FIFA's, cause I mean, that's f- f- uh, football. Sports <laughs> games are separate things. Yeah, it's part of it, but the, yeah. they will be, I mean, a good e- another good example, um, you know, I'll go back to it again, but my beloved Skylanders. I mean, that, the original concept for that came from a very small studio and a toy maker. Mm. Um, and it took a- Activision's NAUS and, um, pure thirst for money <laughs> to realize what they could do with that. And it mm. took a very talented developer to make three, are actually very good games. You know, it is not a complete rip-off. And it's an example of how you can still make money and make a lot of money and keep a lot of the consu- your consumers very happy uh, at the same time. You know, it, it can be done. And uh, and I think you'll see... You know, that's the kind of thing you're going to see. You're going to see these sort of... Innovation? Weird, wacky... I mean, yeah, innovation. Another good example. Um, I know it wasn't really innovative because it was a rip-off, but, I mean, Red Octane and Harmonix, you know, coming through with, with Guitar Hero, which... You Know was phenomenal for a period, it, it was
1: innovative in that it actually did a way better job of what Konami did, yeah. Um, but they were they were tiny, you know,
2: they were a small, two small, um, a small hardware manufacturer and a small developer who got together and had a wacky idea, you know. Yeah, they, so,
1: had, they were in Kensha Hall, yeah, in E3. Now, many people don't know what that means, but that was like the dross of the E3, it doesn't even exist anymore, it's a car park now, but back then. Before, you know, Guitar Hero That was where they were showing it off And uh, people from GameSpot and other people spotted it going This is insane And uh, and it exploded And it kept on going for How long? Five, six years? It's
2: more, isn't it? I think Guitar Hero was 90, maybe, I don't
1: know 2001,
2: 2002, something like that It was PlayStation 2, wasn't it? It was a PlayStation
1: 2 game, so yeah. yeah But anyway it's all, it's amazing to think that it's all died and gone away, but it did. Yeah. I thought it was going to stick around forever, but it didn't.
2: No, but, but I think, you know, I think, I sort of, you know, those are some examples of where it's happened in the past. I mean, it's all—it's difficult to say now, okay, this game that's just about to come out is going to be the ne- you know, it's, it's the seeds oh. of the next big thing, but no, they are definitely out there. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, we've sort of ended on a, uh, as I hoped, a fairly positive note, because uh, this could have ended up very doom and gloom.
1: No, I think one more point to make on it is that yes, you're going to have these extremes, but I think one is going to feed the other. Mm. The, the, the most, the best developers in the world don't live in a bubble and don't just play their own game or work on their own game. They're playing. They're just the the best ones are the ones that also play other people's games. Oh yeah, and uh, you know it's uh, same with the best film director and that sort of thing. They are a fan of the medium. Something. and they 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 embrace it and they absorb it and they get inspired by it and influenced by it
0: and so, if that sort of de- developer is the cream that rises that can literally only be a good thing yeah because that, think- that's a chain of influence passing down as opposed to the uh the chain being broken by people with their eyes purely on the bottom line is there room in the world anymore for bobby Kotick? Well, with- Call of Duty, Battlefield, and FIFA absolutely. doing still extremely well. Yes, and absolutely. As and Activision yeah, as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, much as he, the man is derided, he's a very astute businessman. Oh, God, I hate hearing that. Over uh, it's a uh, sad we, truth. I'm afraid to say we need the EAs and Activisions, mm. you know, because th- yes. um, they are investors as much as they are um, publishers. And although EA has been putting its, dipping its wick in some very murky waters. um it at the end of the day is still putting out some of the biggest, like Titan four and FIFA, still putting out and Battlefield some of the biggest games out there. Yeah. Um, I would also take a a fair a, a good uh, amount of comfort from the fact that the PlayStation Four has done much better than anyone anticipated.
0: Yeah, everyone was saying which, no one's going to have enough money to buy the new generation of
2: consoles, showing some degree of health and demand in the in the, yeah. in the consumer market, and also the fact that the PC Mac. Um, uh, gaming sector has also dramatically improved over the past sort of five years. Actually, coincided with the the fall everywhere else. Because I mean, if you remember back in two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the PC gaming was being written off. Yeah. thanks largely to the fact that Microsoft was doing its best to drive it into the ground. Um, but um, you know, thanks to, to the persistence of Valve and and the, the rise of the indie game scene, that uh, kind of rescued it. But that's you know that's going great guns as well. So there is. There, is, there are lots of positive signs of growth everywhere, which is why I feel quite optimistic that... It's still it w- a terrific
1: it, time to be a fan it, of games. It, is. it really
2: it's still, is. It's actually... The industry is still bigger than it was when the Genesis Mega Drive was around. So yeah, it's, it's worth is. bearing that in mind. So even though it's had a massive fall, it was very much a bubble that
1: had to burst. It's um, still making lots of money, just not as much as it used to. No. Everything a, goes through peaks and troughs, and we're just going through an interesting we're in the bottom of an horrible well, interesting trough I say it's not horrible interesting trough
0: I hate the word interesting it's the yeah. it means the opposite of what it says <laughs> it's like what I'm based upon
2: that the Chinese proverb isn't it about interesting times interesting
0: times right. yeah the, the Chinese using the same word for crisis as they do for opportunity <laughs> <laughs> okay so on that note crisitunity and thank you very, very much, you two gentlemen, for coming on the uh, show. Uh, Chris, do you want to tell us about The Sausage Factory?
1: Odd name for a show. It's a podcast that's hosted by Spong.com, which I write for as well. Um, it is a show with me interviewing video game developers about where they started in life, what their influences are and also what they're currently playing, so you an inkling of what inspires them anyway. Mm-hmm. And then uh, does he talk about the game they're currently promoting or just finished or released and what have you? There's 11 shows up right now, and I think one of my, well, I'm not going to say favourites, but they're all very interesting. Of course they are. But what they do do is they give you an insight into how games are made, hence the name of the show, because people don't want to... If you, if you knew how sausages were made, you would never eat them. Um, but um, this is the same thing. A lot of video game developers blurt this phrase out. It's like a sausage factory making a video game, i.e. it's not interesting. You don't want to know. If you knew, if you knew how games were made, you would never play them. Yeah. This is a misnomer it's because people do are genuinely interested. Yeah. Uh, and I remember teasing out of the makers of Oli Oli on the Vita um, why do they have this bizarre control mechanism? Why is it so painfully difficult? Turns out, well, I'm not going to say. You listen to the show. Um, Tantalizing. So, yes, um, there's a there's a reason for it. So, yeah, do do, do take a listen. I'm, I've, it's not a weekly show. It all depends on if I can get someone. it's Usually, by the very least, every couple of weeks you'll get a new episode. I've got a couple of interviews next week. I won't say who, um, but very excited. Ones from Australia of all places, so that's going to be a late-night interview for me. I but,
2: suspect I know who that will be. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> and uh, so yes, I'm really looking forward to that one, but yeah, do do listen to it. It's um, it's, it's much fun to listen to for developers as it is for, for consumers as well, so I get an inkling of how these people think you make the games you enjoy so much. Thank you, Chris.
0: And Gary, uh, what can we expect at the moment on At Game Burst?
1: Um... Me on a quiz. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, you were on the quiz the other week, weren't you? Who are you yeah,
1: against? was it? Oh, good God.
2: It, um, was like a, it was a mash-up of guys from uh, different shows, wasn't it? I, uh,
1: yeah, there's a chap from Sony. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes, Pete. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did um, James interview his boss and let him win? I believe he did, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the time I was on. I'm, gonna, I'm no. not convinced Midge is that impartial anyway, either. Nice. <laughs> <I know. laughs> He's easily swayed. Um, uh, we've yes, we've got actually this um, the week I guess that uh, this show is we've got our top five GameCube games where we had a huge amount of contribution from uh, listeners and people on Twitter and Facebook. I think we had nearly nearly thirty or forty um uh, suggestions. You know, uh, sorry, lists from people of their top fives, which was that's
1: really hard. who's to that Loving data? That it was GameCube.
2: yeah, it was it was. So yeah, it's a, we're running a series of those this year actually, where we're um, we're gonna. List our favorite games from some of the consoles that tend to get overlooked. Um, over Would you years. do the
1: Saturn? Would you do the Saturn?
2: Yes, um, I've yeah. got a Saturn, so yeah, we, yeah, that's one. Oh, yeah, so, that's a fly, but, you know. I mean,
1: a lot, a lot of, a lot
2: of shows look back at the Dreamcast or the PlayStation yeah. Two that's or the easy. PlayStation. And, uh, yeah, whereas the GameCube just seems to be often overlooked. It's like an unloved cousin, you know. It's. Uh, it's Actually, shiny... the Xbox is a bit overlooked, too, isn't it? Uh, funny enough, that's the next one. <laughs> so yeah. It's
0: because most of the best game, or notable games on those systems ended up on the follow-up, and so everyone seems to sort of forget about all of those other games that didn't quite make it.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. like Blood Wake and Cell Damage. and uh, <laughs> did... <laughs> Eternal
0: Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. Did that end up on the Wii? No,
2: i no, I not even sure anyone actually even owns the rights to that anymore. I think that's that's well, it for that
0: game. Yeah, and then there's The Lovecraft the- Estate on that.
1: Yeah. That's so, that's got a history too, because there was a Kickstarter, wasn't it, last year? Yeah. That, that, that didn't go so well for a whole raft of reasons, Mr. Dyack. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's
2: probably the, the next big thing we've got coming yep. up. And then after that, it'll be uh, we've got a, a replay show as well on Torchlight. Oh, yeah. And we're actually going to do our Unplugged next month, which is our ballgaming one. We're actually going to brave it, and we're actually going to do Monopoly games. So. Whoa. If you play Monopoly it turn right, ugly it's not as extremely bad as you think. No, it's and there are also... Some very good Monopoly spin-off games, uh, Monopoly okay. Deal being one example. On that note,
0: actually, both of you gentlemen are coming to uh, this year's DriftCon, or Gplex, which will be yes. in Lincoln on the 3rd and 4th of May this year. Uh, email in or uh, jump on the forum or Twitter if you want to find out how to get in on that action. All kinds of board games, and uh, the fact that this is really what um, a lot of uh, Gplex has been about in previous years. The uh, the being able to meet up and actually play physically with other people in the same room is a huge deal, and yeah. uh, it's one of the things people people love it for. So, uh, yeah, thank and you, Gary, again for organising that, and thank you, Chris, well, for jumping on.
2: We can exclusively yeah. reveal this this year for the first
1: time. We will also have an RPG, which uh, Chris will. here is going
2: to DM.
1: I am, I'm going awesome. to be um, hosting uh, Dragon Age RPG, oh, uh, yeah. because, uh, you know, I thought, well, a lot of people are going to go there familiar with video games, so this is a pen and paper RPG um, interpretation of a video game. How long of a session are we talking about here? It's about three to four hours. Okay. It'll
2: be an uh, evening, you know, yeah. s- uh, enjoying an uh, after dinner cocktail type uh, type All deal, cool. so... it should be be good fun, looking forward to it nice, exciting,
0: cool thank you guys very very much and uh, we will see you folks very soon and we're going to be talking about amongst other things the X-Men and Spider-Man movies in the next few weeks and months, Sharon you've been hiding the whole time haven't you
2: I have, I have been listening very intently, it's actually been fascinating to listen to
0: I was waiting. I learned a lot. I was waiting for an opportunity to sort of see if I could bring you in, but it just seemed best to sort of uh, to, to to let these guys talk on it.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, there, there were a, a couple of things that I was um, going to mention, but I genuinely felt like it would have derailed the whole conversation. And just listening to you guys has been extremely educational. So thank you.
0: Cool. Well, anyway, I've been Alex Shaw.
2: I've been Sharon Shaw.
0: And neural handshake, neural handshake complete.
3: complete. the party's the hotel lobby and after that you know it's diamond chris and after that i say excuse me miss and after that we're going back to the room and after that she's gonna leave real soon and after that i crack one more beer and after that i just stare in the mirror and after that i start freaking out what the hell am i doing with my life on order room service get my apple pie on and after that i just walk the streets a homeless dude throws up on my feet and i see just how pointless life is full on existential crisis tear off my clothes and scream at the sky fall to my knees and ask god why Good night life is you quest put my mind body and soul to the test and after that i meet my totem spirit it's a rattlesnake so i have to kill it then i drink all his blood and steal his powers and slither around in the dirt for hours and after that i start jerking off up on a mountain jerking off down by the river jerking off and that's when i had my epiphany you can't spend your whole life jerking off and after that i'm going back to the city this night life is killing me no more jerks And lose my hand in a game of craps And after that, everyone calls me Claw And after that, I work for Tim McGraw hey. And after that, I pass out in the sewer Meet a giant fish, fuck his brains out And after that, I'm filled with shame No one but myself to blame Nothing in my heart but pain Next week, we're gonna do it again this night, life smokes in me I'm like jerking on